the Lord. Today, I'll ask you to forgive me because I am talking in an octave lower than I usually talk because allergies are kicking my butt. It's also a little bit of an emotional day for me too because this is my last Sunday with you, Mission Church, before my family and I move to North Carolina. And so it is an honor and a privilege to be your pastor today, to preach the word. Well, Pastor Greg is on his way to Kenya. And so if you're joining us online, we welcome you online. Thanks for joining us today. And if you're here in the sanctuary, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And so five years ago, June 1st, five years ago, my family and I took a big step of faith and we came here to the Mission Church. We were youth pastors on Long Island for six years and that the church that we were youth pastors at, my grandfather was actually the lead pastor for 40 years. And so he retired and after he, or during his retirement, I went there, I became his youth pastor for a couple months and then he retired. And so that church knew me, they knew my family. We were comfortable there, we were loved there, we were respected there. And we had a great life there, but God, but God had different plans, and God's plan supersedes our plans. And so I got a phone call from Pastor Greg randomly in February of 2017, and we talked for about an hour over the phone. My wife and I, Malia, we drove up here the next week later, had an interview. We went out to eat with Pastor Greg and Laura at the Cheesecake Factory in Danbury. We hit it off. We had such a great time. And soon after that, they offered us the position to come here. And it was such an easy choice. It was an easy choice because we felt released from where we are. We were as youth pastors. I was a youth pastor for six years, so I saw a generation of teenagers through we felt released, and it was an easy decision to come here because it was the next step. And so we came here not knowing what to expect, and we met you crazy people <laughs> and got involved in this awesome, amazing church, and we got comfortable, and we love it here. We still love it here. We're still comfortable and content. We grew our roots here. We had we bought our first house. We, we brought our three-year-old here. We bought our first house. We had our baby boy. We were planting our roots. Lifelong friendships were made. And we are happy. We love it here. Life is great. Life is great for my family. But God. That statement again, but God. God started changing things in our hearts without us even realizing it. And it was a very difficult decision to move, very difficult. We had agonizing nights, agonizing prayers to God. We just wanted to be in God's will. Have you ever been there before? We had a decision, you just want to be in God's will. I just wanted God to tell me what to do. I would say, God, just tell me what to do. What am I supposed to do? Tell me how to lead my family. Tell me where to go. I just want to be in your will. And I was agonizing over the decision to stay or to leave. And it was not an easy decision. I just wanted God to give me a clear path. And sometimes it's not so clear. And it wasn't clear to us making this decision because you, church. 
because of the love I have for you, because of the love you have for my family, because of the acceptance and the respect that we mutually share, because of the leadership of Pastor Greg and Laura, because of the pastoral staff and our friendships and respect, because of the Mission Church Academy and the love they had for our children, and for all of you and the conversations I had with you, you made it less clear for me to follow God's will because I loved it here. And I wanted to stay here. But God, but God has other plans. And so we made a difficult decision that we needed to step away and to move to North Carolina. And the moment we made that decision, we felt the overwhelming peace of God and the miraculous doors opened up that we needed to be opened up. And I can't even tell you now, but the steps that we've taken of faith and the way that God has provided for us in that steps of faith has given us such clarity that this is what God's will is for our life. But oh, was the decision so hard because I love this church. And so this message today is titled, Final Greetings, and it's found in 2 Corinthians, and it's actually the last chapter and last verses of 2 Corinthians in chapter 13, 11 through 14, and it's Paul writing a letter to the church of Corinth, the Corinthians, which he had an interesting relationship with, but we share something together. Paul is writing the church of Corinth because he deeply loved them and wanted to see them flourish, and so he left them with these last words of wisdom. And today, I want to study that passage and leave you with Paul's words of wisdom because he wants to see the mission church, you flourish, and he loves you, and he wants to see you be complete in Jesus Christ, amen? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 11 through 14, it reads, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen. I love how Paul says, I close these letters with last words, with these last words. It almost seems like Paul is about to die. That's what it, your last words, Paul is about, he's not really actually about to die, but it seems that way. And it reminds me of this past week, the pastoral staff and I went out to lunch, one last lunch, and Pastor Greg took a staff picture of us, and he posted it on Facebook, and uh, he said some really kind words, just saying goodbye, and a bunch of the church members said nice things, goodbye to me, and then there were some other people from different cultures that didn't quite understand the post, and they said, R.I.P., <laughs> thinking I died. May he rest in peace. Two, pe two separate people said, may he rest in peace or R.I.P., because they thought I was dead. So Pastor Greg posted, goodbye to me, and they thought I had died. Let me tell you, I'm moving to North Carolina. I'm not dead. <laughs> These might be the last words of a message I'm preaching to you, but let me tell you, I'm alive and well, and you are too. So 
Paul starts out by saying, be joyful. Did you know the joy of the Lord is my strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. We are to rejoice. Paul in Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord, Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We are to rejoice in the Lord. According to the Webster Dictionary, rejoice means to give you or to feel great joy or great delight. To rejoice means to have or possess. You are to possess the joy of the Lord regardless of your circumstances of life, regardless of your difficult decisions, regardless of your trials. You are to rejoice in the Lord because you are called to live in his presence wherever you go. His presence isn't just in church. His presence isn't just when you're listening to worship music. His presence isn't just when you're reading the Bible, when you're deliberately spending time with God. Yes, his presence is there. But when you're not deliberately spending time with God, going along your life, doing your job, being a parent, being a husband or a wife, interacting with people, just because you're not in direct communication with God does not mean that his presence isn't with you. His presence you are to live in at all times. And therefore, when you live in his presence at all times, you have the joy of the Lord in your heart at all times. Amen? It doesn't matter if you're having a bad day. Bad days come and go. The joy of the Lord is a perspective and it lasts because you are in his presence. You live in his presence. I have a philosophy of life about living in his presence. Oftentimes, we talk about prayer time with God. You need to pray to God. You need to have a, a time that you pray with God to God that, that is with you, scheduled in your day. And I agree with that. But I also have the philosophy that God and I are communicating all the time, all day, every day. I'm driving in my car. I see something happen, I pray to God. I drive by my, my daughter's school, I pray for her school. I drive by a homeless person, I pray for the homeless person. I have anxiety, I have some fear, I pray to God. Anything that comes up during the day, I'm praying to God. It's not a, dear God, I need you, blah, 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 blah. It's, okay, God, it's a conversation. We live in his presence. We have a conversation with God because we are in relationship with Jesus. And so living in his presence, having the joy of the Lord, praying to God is a continual process. There's not an amen period. You end it. It is a continual process throughout the day. That is how you have the joy of the Lord in your heart because God is with you every step of your day. Amen. So the joy of the Lord is my strength because my strength is with me every day, every minute of the day. And today is Pentecost Sunday, and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, I need his Holy Spirit on an hourly basis. I need him. I need him. I need the refreshing. I need the boldness. I need Jesus in my life and his Holy Spirit to advocate for me. And so this morning, let's remember to live in his presence. How many became the church a little tired this morning? I did. I packed my house up this week. I've been sleeping on the air mattress the past two nights with my son. Man, that kid can roll over and kick. 
I am tired today, but the joy of the Lord is my strength, and the medicine is to rejoice. How many of you are a little bit scared about decisions you have to make? Maybe there's a little fear, anxiety, or things going on in your life. The medicine is to rejoice in the Lord. How many know the devil is trying to knock you down, keep you down, frustrate you, mock you, confuse you? And how do you fight that? Well, the medicine is to rejoice in the big God who is taking care of you. We are to rejoice in the Lord. Paul continues to write, be joyful and grow to maturity. Grow to maturity. In some translations, this is written to strive for restoration and fulfillment. This means to live a fulfilled life by maturing, by growing up in Christ. Growing up in Christ. Some of you need to grow up a little bit. I can say that I'm leaving. What are you going to do to me? Yeah, exactly. I got the freedom this morning. What are you going to do, fire me? Pastor Greg's going to Kenya. I'm leaving this week. You can't write me any angry emails because guess what? I'm not going to check them. Mm -hmm. Grow up in Christ. Some of you need Jesus in your heart a little bit more. You need to sharpen your spiritual life. You need to mature in your spiritual life. You need to spend time with God. You need to pray. You need to worship. You need to get rid of the things that are tearing you apart from Jesus. The sin in your life needs to be taken care of. You need to grow up and mature. Again, I don't care. I'm leaving. I don't care if I hurt your feelings. Don't fulfill other people's dreams for your life, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and that is part of your fulfillment. Fulfilling God's purpose in your life, growing in Him, maturing in God will give you fulfillment. And so if you're here this morning and you have questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What is the purpose in my life? You see, these questions are asked by children who are growing up. As our children grow, they ask us, our parent, their parents, these questions. Some people ask these questions on their deathbed, in their last breaths. Do you know the reason why you're here? And when you understand the reason why you are here, then you will have a fulfillment in Christ. If you're finding that these questions are elusive, chances are you're seeking enlightenment in the wrong places. When our lives feel empty or lacking meaning, when deep down inside we are feeling unfulfilled, we are often doing these things. We are seeking fulfillment in jobs that cannot measure our worth. We pursue cheap pleasures that rob us of our health. We turn to false idols that can never fill our empty spaces. We seek wisdom from false teachers who only lead us astray. Or we seek comfort from people who can never give us unconditional love. These things lead to unfulfillment. However, there's a place that holds all of these answers, and that's the Bible, and there's one person who can give us the true meaning of life, and that is Jesus. So if you want to grow to maturity, if you want to feel fulfillment, it's having Jesus in your heart and following his plans. That is your purpose, to live out the call of God on your life. In Acts 17, it says, for in him we live and have our being. In him, 
we live. It's not about you, it's about God. This is what a fulfilled, mature life looks like with the perspective of serving God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with your soul, with the details of your life you give to God. And I promise you, you will feel fulfilled because you're honoring your creator who you were made in the image of. That's a fulfilled life. That's maturity. Paul continues to say, be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other. Encourage each other. God commanded that his people encourage each other because he knew we all needed it. In Gospel of John, it says, in this world, you will have trouble. He's talking to you and me as Christians. In this world, you will have trouble. But he further says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And because Jesus has overcome the world and we live in the broken world, we need encouragement from one another. Being a Christian is not easy. It's not being a Christian in our culture and in society today, but we need the encouragement of the body. We need to go to church. We need to be active in church. We need to volunteer. We need to be in connect groups. We need to serve. We need to give. We need to invest in the local church so that we can encourage one another to build each other up. Because I, I want you to know the devil, his first strategy is to rob you of encouragement by isolating you, by making you feel alone, by disconnecting you. I guarantee people leave church because they feel alone. Oh, no one said hi to me when I came into church. Did you say hi to someone? Or did you just come to church and not say hi to anyone and you leave and think that no one cares about you? Sometimes it takes a little bit of work to have relationships with people. It doesn't just happen. What do you expect to come into church and everyone's perfect and we see you and we say, hi, welcome, give you a hug, come sit next to me, come to my house. It's really, really a lot of work for everyone to do that, but sometimes it takes you to take the first step to say hi to someone else. And so all this to say is it's really easy to be isolated and to feel alone if you don't take any initiative to say hi to someone else. Be active in your community. Reach out. Don't be isolated. Biblical encouragement isn't focused on just complimenting someone's haircut or how good their chili tasted. Those are compliments. Those are nice. But biblical encouragement is important because it's encouragement that Scripture refers to as life-giving. Encouragement shares the hope that will lift someone's heart towards the Lord. It's pointing out the evidence of grace in another's life to help them see that God is using them. It points the person to the promises of God. And so when we say we want to encourage one another, I want it to go on a deeper level than just compliments. I want you to encourage one another on faith, on hope, on unity, on joy and strength and fruitfulness and faithfulness and perseverance. I want you to get to know people and encourage them on a deeper emotional level. Because that builds unity and friendship. That builds a strong church. Encouragement was and is an essential way to extending grace to one another. One of the biggest cultural customs we see Jesus partake in in the New Testament 
is eating a meal with other people. In Scripture, there are 13 recorded times Jesus ate a meal, and many of those times were at other people's houses. So are you ready to be encouraged this morning? Because I have some practical advice for you. Are you ready for this advice? Go out to eat with someone from church today or this week. Invite someone from church over to your house and share a meal with them. Share your life with other people. That was a very weak response. (laughs) And I guess you don't want to share your life with other people. Share your life with other people and get connected and grow your relationships. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, your schedules are very busy. Yes, I understand all of that effort. But if you don't, you're isolating yourself. Grow your friend groups. Get out of your bubble. Your bubble, your friend group, your bubble, your comfort zone. Grow out of your stinking bubble and say hi to someone else. Invite them to your house and grow your relationships. And better yet, grow out of your Christian bubble, okay? Some of you only have Christian friends and surround yourself with Christian influences, and that's good. Influence unchristian people. Grow out of your bubble and be the person that God has created you to be and share the good news with the lost. Pop your bubble, your comfort bubble. Share your life with other people. You're isolating yourself and your family. Share your life with others because you are robbing the blessing of your friendship. You ever think of that perspective? Some of you are great people, and I don't know because I never talked to you before. You're robbing me of your friendship, and I'm leaving. You missed your chance, but, then, but now you have other people, okay? Share your life, your friendship, your love with other people. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Get out of your bubble. Encourage one another. Paul continues and says, be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Live in harmony and peace. Unity and peace creates the best teamwork. You're on God's team, the mission church, living out a mission for this community. And what makes this church special is its community, is its people, is you. People who want to do life together encourage one another in faith. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not perfect. Don't try to be perfect. You're sinful. You're sometimes mean, and sometimes you're offensive. We're all sinners. That's okay. The church is for the sick, for the lost, for the broken, for the messed up people, and we are all sick, lost, broken, and messed up without Jesus. And what gives us a common denominator is Jesus. So we come to church and we worship Jesus. We're a community of natural differences coming together for the purpose of worshiping God. So regardless of your political differences, who cares? You're in church to worship Jesus. Regardless of what nationality you are, who cares? We're all created in the image of God, worshiping Jesus. We are made to worship Jesus as a community of believers. We are called to unity and peace. Your mission is to become more like Jesus and to be a light to the lost. Your mission is to live at peace with one another in this community. We belong together. We are the church. 
No more division. We don't need it. We're the church. We worship Jesus. That's the only common denominator we need. We worship Jesus. All of our differences can be figured out because we worship Jesus. Can, it, can you say that? We worship Jesus. We worship Jesus together. Christians, church, the mission church, you belong here together. Paul concludes by saying, be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then, then the God of love and peace will be with you. The God of love, it's an if-then statement. The God of love and peace will be with you. How many recognize that God's unconditional love for you through the sending of Jesus is something that none of us can repay by any of our actions? We don't deserve it. But because of the unconditional love of God sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, we have a security of love and an eternal destination. There was a study done by the Gottman Institute, and they did a study on how love and affection played a role in children's lives. Interesting enough, that's not surprising, those who are loved, encouraged, and celebrated as children grew up to have less stress and emotional problems. Those who didn't feel that amount of love from their parents or lack of parents had higher chances of emotional and psychological problems. I say all of this because when we mess up the natural order of what God puts in place, there are real consequences. There are real consequences when we break the natural order of the things God puts into place. We are meant to live with the knowledge of the unconditional love from the Father and with that security and with the peace of God, knowing that and serving him, everything will be okay. And that gives us the power, the ability to love on our children, to love on others because of the security, unconditional love we have from the Father. And in return, that helps us to reflect the love and peace because of the love and peace we have from our Father. Our attitudes towards our kids, our spouses, co-workers, our church members reflects the love and the peace of God. God gives a peace that's beyond all understanding, and sometimes that's all we need. We just need the peace of God. Sometimes we just need the knowledge that Jesus died for my sins. He went to the cross for me. And that unconditional love that is in my heart gives me the security to love others. I'm going to have our worship team come up this morning. We need to reflect the peace and love. We need to look in the mirror and understand we were created in the image of God and he's imprinted his love and his peace on our hearts because of the relationship we have with him and we can make a real change in our community. Amen, church? Amen. Honor the Lord. Treat each other with love and respect. Tell people about Jesus through your testimony. Amen? And today is Pentecost Sunday. And so in Scripture, he ends it, Paul ends it, may the grace of God, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be an advocate. Amen. 
I'm going to ask you to stand up this morning. Pastor Chris read this in Acts chapter 2 right before. I'm going to read it again. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. How many love that statement? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. How many of your parents in here that want to see that happen? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. How many want to see our young people see visions of the Holy Spirit? Your old men will dream dreams. How many know we need the wisdom of the elderly in this church to dream dreams and to share those dreams with us? Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You know, the Spirit is for every single person in this room, men and women. There's no discrimination from what the Spirit is for, who it is for. He will pour it out on all of us. Further in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says this. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of your sins. So first, before we ask for the baptism of the Spirit, we must repent of our sins, make ourselves right before God. And then after you do that, then you ask to receive the Holy Spirit. It says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. So let me tell you this morning, we're going to end our service in celebration, and we're going to have a time at the altar. So if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna invite our deacons, I'm gonna invite our board of trustees, I'm gonna invite our pastors to be available to pray for you. And we're just gonna pray that you would receive the Holy Spirit. It's something that's not scary, it's a gift from God. And it's something that is like the boost to your spiritual life. It's an extra layer to your spiritual life of boldness and courage. The Holy Spirit is just an extra anointing of what God has for you. And what we believe is the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. But guess what? There's something about the tongue. It takes effort. You have to speak it out. It's not just going to come out of you. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, your tongue controls it because you start speaking out the words. It's like a step of faith. You don't just come up here, raise your hands and say, okay, God, I want to be baptized and nothing happens. And you go back to your chair, kind of discouraged. You speak it out because it's a step of faith. And some of you, that's going to be a big step of faith because letting loose of your tongue is letting God control you. It is a releasing of control. And so if you're here this morning and you know we're a Pentecostal church, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today I'm going to invite you as we worship now, come up to the altar and we want to pray for you. And God's presence is here and he can baptize you. Amen. And if you're not going to come up, if you have to go get your kids, God bless you. It has been the greatest honor of my life serving you as your pastor. Just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that God is not done with you. Pursue him with all of your heart because you are valuable, you are loved, and he has plans for your life. And the Holy Spirit will use you. Hallelujah. That's worship, worship team. Pastors, please come make yourself available. Deacons, 
prayer team, Bill, please make yourself available. Let's pray for people this morning to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit.